Good evening, and welcome to the Cabinet of Fever Dreams. Tonight, a tale of ice cream men, neon lights, and incomprehensible curses. The ice cream man who came to our village, met a terrible fate, was originally released June 3rd of 2021, and is read to you tonight by Jen Kirk, with additional voices by Night Shift Ruminations, and musical backing by Tim Beek, Vivek Abhishek, and Petar Mardian. This story belongs to a collection of ice cream themed tales that all connect into one big creamy story. If you have a sweet tooth and don't want to miss out on any of the stories, make sure to check back for future entries on your podcasting platform of choice. New episodes of the Cabinet of Fever Dreams come out every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. With all that said, lock your doors, close your windows, and if you hear an ice cream truck approach, take shelter. Everyone loved him, and he loved everyone back. Mr. Mobino was one of those rare few people who, despite everything, managed to put on a genuine smile every day. Even as a child, I could tell that there was something special about him. Something so inherently wholesome that it reached out into the universe and made the world a better place. Whenever he arrived at our village, all the children would scream in glee and chase after the truck. Even on the grayest of days, Mr. Mubino would bring us all to joy. I wasn't ever among the crowd of kids that would run after the truck, but I still spent most of my afternoons waiting to hear that cheery ice cream jingle. Ding, da, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> While the happy children got their frozen treats, I hid out of sight and waited for Mr. Mobino to be alone. Being the only orphan in the village and without any siblings to protect me, the local kids were predisposed to be particularly cruel to me. I was also not allowed to eat ice cream. <laughs> Dairy products made me ill. Yet, even though I was lactose intolerant, I still managed to have a good relationship with the ice cream man. When all the kids who threw stones at me and made fun of my drunk uncle left, I would make my way to Mr. Mobino. His bright smile and bushy mustache would always make the most glim of days shine. Since I couldn't eat any of the ice cream he sold on account of the dairy, Mr. Mobino would always bring me a chocolate bar, free of charge. He knew where most of my uncle's money went. The few coins I could scrape together were no good at his truck. Yet it wasn't just the free chocolate and smiles that Mr. Mobino brought into my life. He would talk with me. He spoke to me with an air of respect I was not accustomed to. He wasn't cruel. He didn't order me around. He listened. While I would eat my daily chocolate bar, Mr. Mombino and me would talk. Sometimes he would tell me fun facts about animals, and sometimes he would tell me funny stories with life lessons attached. <laughs> Whatever the subject of our chats, I would walk away happier. He made me feel good about myself. Mr. Mobino was a pillar of my childhood, and I wouldn't be a different woman without his wise words to guide me. Yet when I think back to him as an adult, it's not joy I feel. It's utter confusion and terror at what happened to him. The change was gradual. Yet, I could sense something was off with Mr. Mobino right away. At first, I just... I don't know, it, it... Something just felt wrong. There was something off behind his smile. 
some ethereal quality that had always been there before was missing from his eyes. Usually he was the paragon of a good mood, but suddenly Mr. Mobino became nervous. His movements were jittery and he started going silent in the middle of our afternoon talks, as if someone other than me was trying to get his attention. Something was wrong with him. I knew that immediately, but after about a week of strange behavior, Mr. Mobino's condition deteriorated to a much more noticeable degree. His mustache started to look sickly. The long black hair beneath his cap grew sparse. Mr. Mobino himself started to cough and shake uncontrollably at times. Yet as sweaty as his face got and as drained as his eyes were, he would still do his best to finish off whatever story he was telling me. It took me a long time to work up the courage to ask Mr. Mobino if he was feeling okay. The instinct to make sure he wasn't ill tugged at me immediately, but after two years of living with my uncle, I was taught not to question the health of adults. I wanted to believe his strange behavior was only temporary, that he would soon transform back into the friendly ice cream man I knew and loved and relied upon. That belief didn't last long. The day I finally asked about Mr. Mobino's well-being, there was no doubt that something had gone horribly wrong with my favorite ice cream man. He was in the middle of telling me a story about a king and his three daughters when he went into a sudden coughing fit. The rattling in his lungs sent Mr. Mobino into his truck. He leant up against the freezer, trying to catch his breath. When the coughing finally subsided, he didn't turn back. He just stood there whispering something beneath his sickly mustache to the giant icebox that held all of his wares. Mr. Mabino, are you okay? Years later, I can still hear those words. Hoarse and quiet, said not for me but for himself, as if he felt the need to vocalize his realization. There's something with me in this truck. What do you mean, Mr. Mobino? There was a trickle of blood on his mouth. Sorry, Annie. I have to go. I'll see you tomorrow. Years later, I can still see that trickle of blood slide down his chin. I didn't sleep that night. I kept on wrestling back and forth in bed, imagining cruel little goblins hiding inside of Mr. Mobino's truck and sneaking shards of glass into his morning coffee. I could see he was in pain. I I could sense something was wrong. I just I just couldn't understand it. In the morning I got out of bed and walked to the next village over. I went there in hopes of catching Mr. Mobino early, of possibly discovering his sold pre-lunch ice cream to a different group of rural kids. But all I found were pebbles in my shoes and disappointment. The journey was exhausting, but at least it occupied my nervous mind. By the time I got back home, it was just a matter of waiting a couple hours for Mr. Mobino to arrive. When I heard his truck, I was anxious enough to join with the village children gathering for their daily cheer-filled escort. They ignored me at first, but as soon as Jeffrey, the cruel miller's son, noticed me, he started throwing stones at me. Not wanting to complicate things, I kept my distance as Mr. Mobino served the mean village children the ice cream. He looked worse than the day before. Even from a distance, I could see that he was covered in sweat. After every order of ice cream he delivered, Mr. Mobino would kneel over coughing. He looked to be at the verge of fainting. 
But <laughs> the children didn't mind. They just wanted their frozen treats. Mr. Mobino's coughing didn't bother them the least bit. There was blood around his mouth again. That's the first thing I noticed. More blood than the day before. Annie. He said, his voice weak and strained. A plastic bag full of chocolate bars extended through the window of his ice cream truck. I want you to have this. There's a letter inside. I tried to make sense of it all, but... I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Annie, but... I need you to promise me something. Anything for you, Mr. Mobino. What do you want me to do? I want you to stay away from my ice cream truck. Forever. I never want you to come back here when I'm giving ice cream to the village children again. I know it's hard to understand, but... Mr. Mobino, no. You're my favorite part of the day. I... I will have nothing to look forward to if- Annie, please, I can't explain. I just need you to believe me. You can't come here anymore. It's not safe. His eyes were sucking deep into his pale skin. Somewhere behind that sickly face, a remnant of my favorite ice cream man still existed, but he was fading away. There was something deathly wrong with Mr. Mobino. I and I couldn't help. Please, Annie, if our friendship meant anything to you, promise me you'll never come back. I couldn't bring myself to respond through the tears. And he, and he couldn't wait. I'm sorry, Annie. Please don't remember me like this. The letter will explain everything. Mr. Mabino pressed the plastic bag into my hands and drove off. I tried to chase after his truck, but but running and crying at the same time is <laughs> impossible. There were two good dozen chocolate bars in the bag, but even though I was hungry, I couldn't bring myself to eat more than one. The letter took away any notion of appetite from my body. Written in shaky, broken handwriting, it read. Dear Annie, I was hoping that it wouldn't come to this, but... I have to ask you to stay away from the ice cream truck. I have to ask you to never speak to me again. I know this is difficult. I know this is confusing, but I ask you to stay away for your own safety. Something bad has happened to me. Something bad has happened to me, and I fear things are only going to get worse. If I have the power to change one thing, if I can... Save at least one person. I want it to be you. Do not remember me as you have seen me for the past few weeks. Remember the good times, the jokes, the laughs, the long conversations about how the world works, but most of all, remember the one thing that will always be true. No one has the right to make you feel bad about who you are, Annie. You're smart, you're witty, and if you put your mind to it, you can achieve anything. Let your heart be your judge of character. No one has the right to pressure you into anything, 
Don't let anyone tell you you're less than because of the situation you were born into or the struggles that you have to face. Treat everyone as an equal. Let the way they decide to treat you back be a reflection of who they are rather than your value as a human being. Farewell, Annie. I wish I had the words to explain what is happening to me, but I do not. You will achieve great things. Your friend, Mr. Mobino. I read the letter over and over and over again until my eyes were too swollen to stay open. The words in the letter made me weep. I didn't know how he would carry on without Mr. Mobino's daily chats. He wasn't just the one ray of sunshine in my desolate life. He was also the only adult I ever truly trusted. As confused as I was, I convinced myself Mr. Mobino only wanted the best for me. If Mr. Mobino wanted me to stay away from him, there must have been a good reason for it. With my heart filled with sorrow, I decided to follow his final wish and keep my distance. Every day I would still lurk behind the crowd of children that followed Mr. Mobino's ice cream truck. I tried to eat my chocolate bars in tandem with the ice cream being served, hoping that I could capture some echoes of our friendship. Yet the gesture proved hollow. As soon as all the frozen treats were served, Mr. Mobino would waste no time and speed out of the village. With a mouth covered in chocolate and concern brewing in my heart, I would watch him drive off from the bushes. He always seemed to be in a disorganized rush. Whatever was wrong with him was only getting worse. Not only did the man shed all of his hair, but his cheery smile disappeared as well. When he served the children ice cream, he did so without any of his usual jokes or comments. He just gave them the ice cream and sped off. The children themselves started to seem odd to me as well. When Mr. Mobino's truck arrived, they no longer screamed with joy. They just shuffled their way up the village road until Mr. Mobino groaned the truck to a halt. Then they would line up and take their ice cream. No laughter. No cheers. Once I even saw Jeffrey, the cruel miller's son, openly weep as he licked on his two scoops of vanilla. I mean, something was wrong with both Mr. Mabino and the children. They all looked sick, sad, and miserable. Even the color of the truck was starting to wear away, showing signs of sickly green paint hiding beneath the cheery ice cream advertisements. Every day, I would just sit by the bushes, eating my rationed candy bar, watching things get worse. The situation at home wasn't improving either. My uncle rarely came back to the cottage, and when he did, he would be in the company of scary-looking men covered in tattoos. At night, they would keep me up with their drunken shouts. I tried focusing on falling asleep, but I, I couldn't help but to listen to their conversations. They were boasting about cruel things. About violent things. I was scared. Every night I would reread the letter and try to convince myself that 
Mr. Mobino sent me away with a good cause. But I needed someone to talk to. I wanted to be assured that things would be okay. I wanted to know Mr. Mobino would be okay. The night after I ate the last of the chocolate bars was quiet. My uncle and his dangerous-looking posse had been gone for a good three days. As silent as the cottage was, however, I couldn't sleep. I kept on hearing Mr. Mobino's ice cream music repeating over and over in my mind. For a minute, I even thought that I really heard the music. But by the time I ran up to my window, all I could see was the moonless night. Sitting there in the dark, hopeless, and cut off from everything I cared about, I decided I would disobey Mr. Mobino. Looking back, I, I feel for that little girl. She was scared that her uncle would end up in trouble with the police. She wanted to make sure that her favorite ice cream man was okay. I feel for her, but if I could go back, if I could talk to her as an adult, I would tell her to stay at home. I would tell her to wait for the police to arrive. Yet, that little girl standing in the dark made different decisions. I joined the crowd of children the next day. For a moment, I was relieved. I didn't encounter any shouting or rocks on my way towards the group. Yet, that relief soon turned into concern. The village children were mere husks of my cruel bullies. Everyone was just skin and bones and sunken eyes. The procession that gathered behind Mr. Mobino's truck was not a celebration. The kids following the truck were not doing so of their own free will. When the truck passed by Mr. Mobino, he didn't wave to the kids. He didn't shout his usual cheery greetings. He simply kept his reddened eyes on the road and drove. Even though the children were docile and I was the closest to the truck, I still somehow ended up at the back of the line. I was standing right behind Jeffrey. He no longer seemed cruel. He seemed frail and broken. At first, I was nervous to talk to him. But with every child that walked past us with an ice cream cone, I got braver. I tapped the cruel Miller's son on the shoulder. Jeffrey, are you okay? You look ill. My simple tap shook the boy, but the look on his face shook me. Jeffrey's eyes were completely vacant. His mouth was wide open and drooping with spit. He was trying to say something to me. I could see that past his horrid expression, yet no words came. Jeffrey simply stared at me, wheezing and dripping. When he got his ice cream, he walked away with his head bent low. I found myself standing in front of Mr. Mobino. Much like Jeffrey, I was at a loss for words. He had lost all of his hair. Even his eyebrows were gone. The man before me scarcely resembled Mr. Mobino. It was as if someone had taken my friend's skin and draped it over a foreign body. Without a second glance, the ice cream man turned around and produced a cone with two scoops of vanilla. Mr. Mobino, you know I can't eat that. You can. His voice was dark and filled with venom. He wanted me to take the ice cream and leave. 
This wasn't the same Mr. Mobino who would spend hours telling me funny jokes. I, I can't. I'm not allowed to eat ice cream. Don't you remember? Ah. Uh, he said without retracting the dairy product. Annie. The orphan girl. Y yes. Take the ice cream cone. His tone didn't leave any room for a debate. I took the cone, but I refused to make myself sick. Mr. Mobino, you know I can't eat this. You know I'm lactose intolerant. Please stop being like that. We're, we're friends, don't you remember? Eat the ice cream, he said. Eat the ice cream, and we can be friends again. Just like in the old days. You can tell me about your uncle, and I'll tell you a funny story about a cat and a dog brewing a stew. I knew exactly what milk did to me, but I considered the idea for a moment. I needed someone to tell me things would be okay. I needed a friend. The ice cream cone shifted in my hands. Something was moving inside of it, as if if pulsing to the gentlest of heartbeats, a scoop of vanilla trembled in the cone. Eat the ice cream, he said, his voice foreign and dark. Eat the ice cream, little orphan girl. Don't you want to hear the story about the cat and the dog? No one has the right to pressure you into anything. No, I said. My friend wouldn't make me get myself sick. I pushed the ice cream cone back into Mr. Mobino's hand. For a moment, he simply stood there, taking me apart with his bloodshot eyes. But then he spoke. It wasn't a question, little orphan girl. He said as he started to pull himself out of the truck. Eat the ice cream. An undertone of darkness echoed through my mind. In that moment, I knew that I should have listened to Mr. Mobino's letter. He had changed. The man crawling out of the ice cream truck wasn't my friend. Eat the ice cream! With a horrid shout, the ice cream man leaped out of the truck. He still had the pulsing cone of vanilla in his hand, but his other limbs moved like those of a hungry animal. Without a second thought, I ran. Mr. Mobino chased after me on all fours, balancing the ice cream cone as if, as if it was being held in an appendage completely separate from his body. He screamed at me to eat his ice cream. He screamed that he would tell me funny stories and listen to my problems, but, but I just kept on running. I ran until I saw a police car parked outside of my uncle's cottage. I ran up to the officers yelling about the demented ice cream man that, that was chasing me, pleading for their help. Yet, when I turned around... There was no one there. The officers and the nice woman that was with them, they were confused about my yelling, and it and it did take me a fair amount of time to to calm down, yet eventually the conversation shifted towards something more understandable. My uncle. A court sent the woman after someone made a complaint about my uncle not taking proper care of me. She asked me questions in a nice and calm voice. I answered them as accurately as I could. When our discussion was finished, her and the police officers took me to a place where I got some warm food and met other kids like me. 
I never saw my uncle again, but while I was at the orphanage, the police came in a couple of times and asked me more questions about him. Apparently, the few bits of information I still remembered from my uncle's midnight shouting matches with his tattooed friends were very useful to the police. I never saw Mr. Mobino either. The image of him screaming and chasing after me with the throbbing ice cream high in the air will forever be my most lasting memory of the man. But I hold some refuge in the fact that he never wanted me to see him like that. He never wanted me to see him that way. He told me to stay away. Mr. Mobino wished me well. He didn't want to put me into danger. As difficult as the memory of his frenzied eyes and manic screams has been, however, Mr. Mobino did leave me with something other than fear. He left me with the letter. Before I rode off with the police officers and the nice woman, I went back into my uncle's cottage and gathered up my things. There wasn't a lot to take, but... The letter was the first thing I grabbed. I've kept that letter close over the years, and whenever I feel low or like the world is a cruel place filled with selfish people, I read that shaky handwriting. I know that the advice Mr. Mobino gave me is worth its weight in gold. I know that everything in that letter is true, yet it always helps to remind myself that. Mr. Mobino's letter has always been a ray of light in dark times. Yet, all the hope that it gives me is always followed by a single, nagging question. What happened to Mr. Mobino to turn him so cruel? The Cabinet of Fever Dreams is written and produced by Mike Jesus Langer and is brought to you by patrons such as Moo, Serafina L, Lucky J. Horton, Alan Rawl, Kuss, Bob Kondrick, Chicken Mixer, and Daniel Wengel. If you'd like to join these fine people and support the show and get early access to episodes along with a bunch of bonus content, drop by patreon.com slash Mike J. Langer. That's all for tonight. See you all on the next episode of The Cabinet of Fever Dreams.